But yeah, as Pastor was saying, you know, we're in this relationship series, and and last week when he was speaking, uh, he had said something that that just I haven't been able to forget. And and he was talking about uh, a specific scripture, and he said, if at all possible, right, try to keep peace with everybody. And so it got my mind thinking. Well, what if it's not possible, right? What if we can't? Uh, and I feel like this is just a major, major relationship issue that a lot of us struggle with. What is like? Is this the, is the only option that we have at that point just to write people off completely? Is that is that what we're supposed to do? I don't I don't think so. Uh, and and it is a tough topic. And and it, the topic is is how do we deal with with difficult people? As a matter of fact, I've I've entitled this my message the Impossibles because how do we deal with those people that are difficult? How do we deal with those people that we find to be impossible to deal with? And if you just elbowed the person that you came here with. We might be onto something here. I don't. I don't know. But just, just keep that to yourself at that point. But, you know, look, we all have that person in our life uh, that we are convinced that they're just there to make our lives a living. You know what? Right? Like that's all that they were designed to do. And and it might be. Uh, you, you might be thinking already, hearing me just give this brief introduction, great, Adam is going to give us a message on how to change those people, right? Is, that's what we all want to hear about, but, but that's not the direction we're going to go, and you'll hear in just a second. We all have people that are tough in our life, right? It could be our boss. Maybe we have a tough boss. Maybe we have a tough cousin. Maybe we have a, a tough neighbor that we just really find uh, difficult to deal with. And maybe it's maybe it's just a group of people, right? Maybe we, we find uh, millennials hard to deal with or, or baby boomers or, or Democrats or Republicans. Maybe it's just a, a group in general that we have a hard time with. And, and the thing is, is dealing with these people, we all respond to that in our own way, right? We all have our own ways in our minds that, that we think that we can take care of it. And what you may have discovered and what I've discovered over the years is that really it only seems to get worse from there, right? Like when I try to fix that problem, maybe it works for just a hot minute, but then it always just reverts back you know, into being a difficult situation. And what I feel like happens a lot of the time is that we try to deal with people, but we end up harming ourselves in the process a little bit more than what we were trying to do to the difficult person, right? Let me just illustrate you, illustrate the story for you real quick. Uh, I had, I had, was reading and I got lost online like you can do sometimes, and I ended up in this, this, this discussion, and uh, th this lady was talking about uh, when she was a teenager, she would sneak out of the house often at night, and she would go hang out and do teenager things and, and whatever. And so one night, her little brother caught her coming back in. And just like what every annoying little brother's job is supposed to be, he told the parents uh, what happened. And so she got into big trouble. She was grounded. All this stuff was taken away from her. So she, uh, she decided to get back at him. And what she ended up doing was she snuck in her parents' medicine cabinet and she took out a bottle of laxative and she dumped the entire contents of it in a smoothie that actually like the parents were preparing, I guess. Well, uh, unfortunately, she, when she went back down, she grabbed the wrong one and she drank the poisoned one, right? And you can imagine the terrible situation that happened after that. And look, it's, hilarious. it's funny. I laughed at that probably more than I should have. But it's also sad in the context that I'm speaking to you about because it really does, it draws a picture, right? We have, we think that we have a solution to deal with a difficult person, but we end up hurting ourselves more in the process. And, and full disclosure here, like this is a tough topic, right? I, I, I struggled with this when I was asked to speak today. I, you know, I thought, I prayed and, you know, I was like, Lord, just what do you want me to talk about? And, and that line just kept coming to me, you know, uh, if at all possible. And so I knew that this was something for somebody here today. Um, and, and, you know, I just, I'm going to challenge us 
today to, 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 to glean from this, right? It's gonna, be, it's gonna be tough, but I think that you and I are gonna come out better on the other side. And I really think that this topic has the power to change us, right? With God's help, the power of his word, and really it's just gonna take you allowing God to touch you from the inside and, and radically transform you. Um, last time that I was up here, last year, I had spoken on, on joy. And I said, two things happen when you come into relationship with Jesus for the first time. One is just, it's a, it's a supernatural thing that happens, right? God just transforms you from the inside of the out. You can't explain it. Other people can't explain it. But God just changes you, right? And the other thing that happens is that he takes you through these life lessons and you get developed through time. And that's how that works, right? Well, what we're going to talk about today is actually the first one. It's the supernatural one, right? It's going to allow you, it's going to make you uh, have to just allow God to do that work in your life. And, and how many of you do know that God always desires to do a work in us? Amen, right? So he's ready to do that today, right? And it can actually happen. So, so receive that. Um, the thing is, is, is God can change inside of you so deep and, and so radically, but it is going to take one thing. It's going to take you to do one simple thing, and that is total surrender, right? Jesus, take, take the wheel, uh, and, and, and we just have to let him do it, right? We don't, we don't have to do the work. We don't even have to understand the work because it's supernatural. We just have to let God take hold and lean into it, okay? So let's see, let's see what happens today. Um, we're going to start off with, we're going to study two small verses, and those are verses that are found in the book of James. And this isn't James that you would know as, as the disciple, right? This, these are, uh, this is James that is Mary and Joseph's son, right? We know that, that Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit. Mary was a virgin. But after, after Jesus, Mary and Joseph got married, and they had other children. The Bible talks about them. Um, so this is Jesus, uh, at this, I'm sorry, this is James. Uh, at this point, uh, he's, he's leading a great church, right? He's writing amazing things, and what he writes ends up in our Holy Scripture here. And so we're going to start off with uh, James 4. It says, he says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Right? He's saying, why are you even asking about difficult people? Like, what causes this? And, and you say, well, that's, that's the easiest question the Bible's ever asked me. It's, it's him. I'm sitting right next to him right now. You know, it's It's her. Uh, it's, it's, James, you, you've never met my boss. You, you, obviously, you're talking about my boss. Um, and then, you know, you would go on this long spiel about how this person is a terrible person and difficult to deal with. And most of us would probably, probably agree with you, right? But, but then this is where it gets practical and very, and, very, and very powerful. James quickly twists the verse around and gives us the solution right, right there, right? Uh, so, so here we are. We're saying, okay, they're the problem, and I've identified it. So do something about them, right? We want something to be done about them. And, and with that mindset, let me just take a step back here, guys. That's a very dangerous mindset to have because you're basically saying that for my life to change for the better, I'm requiring somebody else's input into that. And that's never a good place to be, right? So, so here we go. So here's the solution, right? He goes on to say in the same verse, he says, but don't they come from your desires that battle within you, right? Doesn't, doesn't all that happen because we have desires and that are being battled inside of us. So, right, so you can say, okay, 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 James, I get this. Like, I know there's something going inside of me. I know that there's some stuff happening inside of me that I have to deal with. And so James is saying right here, you want to know how to deal with difficult people, but I just want to take a minute and talk about you for a second, right? And, and that's why this is so hard. That's why this message is so hard, because that's not what we want to hear. We don't want to take that responsibility, but he's shifting it back onto us. So he goes on to verse two, he says, you want something, but you don't get it. 
right? And, and isn't this the source of all anger and all frustration, right? All anger comes from the fact that maybe we, we feel like we are deserved of something and we don't get it, right? That's where this all stems from. So parents of young kids, uh, I have a five-year-old now and, and by the grace of God, we're, we're 99% past this stage that I'm gonna talk to you about. But when she was two and three, I mean, we couldn't even go into a store without her having like a, a potential meltdown. Like if she even smelled a toy near her anywhere and she wanted it and we said no, I mean, it was like nuclear disaster. And, and there was so many times where I would like find myself scooping her off, off the floor, kicking and screaming. My glasses have been knocked off me. I've run out of Target, like hoping and praying that they don't think that I'm kidnapping this child. And I said it in first service, I found out that like Code Adam is something that these like businesses have when they have to announce it and they go on lockdown. Like that's to them, that means somebody's being kidnapped. And I'm like, why is it called Code Adam? Like that is not, that's not okay with me. So now I'm even more self-conscious about that. But, but let's fast forward into adulthood, right? Because adults can have, adults, we can have tantrums too. What does that look like? They should have treated me with more respect. I should have been the one to get that promotion, right? I should have been the one to get that pay raise. All you people on the left lane, you need to get out of my way because I have somewhere that I need to be. I want something and I can't get it. And I had this thought as I was saying this in first service, you guys remember the, you guys remember the old JG Wentworth commercial where people are like, it's my money and I want it now. You know, like I feel like JG Wentworth maybe is, is the reason that society has declined. I don't, I don't know, we'll, we'll put the blame on him. But really, that's the source of everything that we have battled in our minds, right? We've laid claim to something in our mind, and we just, we just can't get it. And, and maybe we can see already at this point where James is taking us here in this, in, this, in this scripture, maybe we shouldn't want so much, right? Maybe we shouldn't lay claim to so many things. And boy, man, is that, that's tough. That's a tough thing to hear about. And so here's what he says we're doing about it, right? We have this turmoil because we can't get these things in our mind. It's making us angry. And so the scripture goes on to say, what are you doing about it? You're killing, you're coveting, you're quarreling, and you're fighting. You're having adult temper tantrums, right? Somebody does this to you, you get angry because of it. So what do you do? You scream in their face. You, maybe you yell at them. Maybe you just give them the silent treatment um, or you just blow up in their face altogether. And, and why do we do that? You know, because... Adam, it works, right? They, they listen, they, they stop coming to me, they, they avoid eye contact, they shy away from me. But maybe the truth behind that is, is maybe it doesn't. Maybe it doesn't really work. And maybe that's why we're all still miserable when it comes to dealing with difficult people. And then he goes on to say this, and, and this is a real tough pill to swallow. He says, what you should have done, instead of getting so mad and trying to change this person, uh, the verse goes on to say, you do not have because you do not ask God right? You don't have what you want because you didn't go to God in the first place and ask for it. That's a hard thing to think about, right? You, you know, if you would have just come to God and let him do a work inside of you, you would have already had peace at this point. You wouldn't be going through what you're going. And honestly, it's very difficult to try to understand that. So you can't try to understand it. You just have to do it. You just have to let God move in your life. You can't rationalize it. You just have to take a step out and you have to let it happen. And man, doesn't that sound like faith? Isn't that what faith is, right? That's, it's, it's amazing. So my first challenge to you today to do something to work towards this mindset, and as this quote comes up, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Instead of trying to change people, let God change you, right? We keep trying to change people, but God's just trying to change us in the process. And because we're so focused on them and that person and trying to change that person, 
we turn a deaf ear to what God is actually trying to do in our lives. And that gets us in a lot of trouble. We'll say stuff like, do something about my boss, do something about my parents, do something about my coworkers, do something about those Democrats, do something about those Republicans. But God's just saying, I just want to do something in your life, right? And you're just too focused on those other people that you're not even listening to what, I, what I'm saying. So, so today, you know, for the next, while we're together, let's just, let's just listen. Let's just hear what God, God's saying. And, and I said this before, as long as you, as, as long as you make the solution to your life getting better, uh, you give power to other people for that solution. You've already taken power from God to, to help you in that, in that aspect, right? You're putting your, all of the, your solution in other people, but God's saying, I'm the solution. You need to be listening to me. So, so listen, we just need to surrender, let God do his thing in our life, and we'll find peace on the other side. I guarantee you that, okay? So today... Uh, I have five things that I want to go over with you that I think in combination are really going to help us out when we have to go back and deal with those difficult or impossible people. All right, so here's number one. Number one, what are we going to do? We're going to overlook the offense from them. Overlook the offense? Yeah, we're going to overlook the offense. When something happens to us, we need to do what I really believe that our society is moving in the complete opposite direction from, right? Let me just say, we're at this point in society where we can't even have a simple disagreement with somebody without us having to also hate them and hate their stinking guts and everything that they stand for, right? Over just a simple uh, you know, a view of opinion. And what happened to us? Like, how do we get this to a point where friends and family can't even have a conversation without thinking out of, you know, without things getting out of hand? And what I really believe is that we've really gotten so, so thin-skinned where we're offended and so hard-hearted about things. And in my opinion, the only place that we can find peace personally is that when we develop tough skin and our hearts soften, right? We are going the wrong way from that. And, and again, the world has just become so polar and so against them in terms of a mentality that we can't even just disagree and, and move on with our lives. We have to really hate the person, and that's quite unfortunate. But here's the good news, is that the Bible has a radically different message than what we see right now. And, and what I'm saying is, is that maybe the world can live that way, but I'm asking and I'm calling everybody here at LifePoint Church to do what Proverbs has, has told us. And what Proverbs tells us, what, it says what love does is that it has the ability to overlook the wrongs that people do, right? Just this week, I had an instance, we had been working on this massive project at work. Many teams were involved. Last Friday, this past Friday, it was supposed to have come to an end, and we all checked in. And uh, as I sort of thought, I had a team that didn't produce, and, and it was led by somebody that was basically against what we were doing. So now we're well behind time, and we have to start all over again, basically. And I just, when I heard that, I just lost my mind. Like internally, my blood started boiling. Uh, my, my, my Apple Watch was like alerting me that my heart rate was going up too much. And uh, it wasn't good, right? And in my mind, I started like thinking of all the bad things that I was gonna tell this guy, like on this conference call, and I was gonna just let him have it. And everybody's gonna be like, man, that was awesome. Like you just dropped the mic on this guy. But I didn't really do that. How many of you guys like, Anybody rehearse in your mind what you're going to say to somebody? And then like you wake up and you're like, oh my God, I'm not a terrible person. I can't do this to some of them. But, but I had to step away, right? I had to step away. I had to, I had to excuse myself off the call. I took a walk and I just started praying. I was like, God, help me. You know, help me. Just, just calm me down. I, and, and it worked. I, I, immediately, I just felt that leaving me. And, and, and that's what we need to do, right? I, I, I just walked away. Uh, Proverbs 12 tells us this. It says, when a fool is annoyed, he quickly lets it be known right? He, he blows up. He has those adult temper tantrums, 
But it goes on to say a wise person, wise people will ignore an insult. Another proverb says it this way, Proverbs 19. Um, a man's wisdom gives him patience. It is not to their glory. No, it is, it is to his glory to overlook an offense, right? It only helps you. And you may be saying, all right, Adam, get that. But that's impossible. Like we're humans. That's impossible for me to do. There's no way I can do that. Oh, okay, fine. But what's the secret then? How do we do that, right? And I'll tell you, the secret is, is empathy. Uh, that's saying that, that they must be that way for a reason. The other person must be that way for a reason. Something in their life caused them to be the way that they are. And I'm going to just give you a quick example. There's somebody that I respect that I really believe does a great job with empathy. I feel like this person is always doing the right thing by people, just a stand-up guy, always putting himself in other people's shoes. And, and this guy's, you know, he's surprisingly he's not found in the Bible uh, he's actually found in the clubhouse, and his name is Mickey Mouse. And um, I'm going to just, I have a clip for you, and I'm going to illustrate for you, but just kind of briefly, look, I, I have a five-year-old and a one-year-old, and like, that, this is on loop in my house 24-7. Uh, so I get, like, I, I learned life lessons from Mickey Mouse still at 37 years old. It's kind of crazy. But, so in, in the clip that I'm going to show you, there's a bad guy that came into town. He started shrinking the clubhouse because he wanted to take it, and he was lonely. He was, a, he was mad because he was lonely. He saw all these people happy together, hanging out. And so he thought, if I took these things, maybe I'll be happy. And so the clubhouse friends stopped this guy uh, and in the process damaged his blimp. <laughs> and let's pick it up in the video. You'll see what I'm talking about. So, so how many of us are like Goofy, right? Goofy said, he said, Mickey said, uh, Mortimer's in trouble. We got to save him. And Goofy, like us, he's the bad guy. Why would we save him, right? And then Mickey in his glory said, well, he needs help. And that's what we do. We're heroes. We're supposed to do that, right? And so, look, you always do better to imagine what it's like to be that other person. Why are they acting the way that they're acting? Put yourself in, the, in their shoes. And, and, and write this quote down. If you're not taking notes, write this one down, right? Love looks past their behavior to the pain in their life, right? Love looks past the behavior that you're seeing to the potential pain that's in their life. And, and you're saying, okay, but listen, they really hurt me. They, you, don't know how, you don't know how mean they were to me. I can't look past that. And, and, you know, maybe, maybe they're mean to me. Maybe they, 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 maybe they cut me off in traffic, right? And so, so at that point, if that happens to you, maybe you're just better off thinking maybe they're not just a jerk. Maybe they're rushing home to an emergency. Maybe there's somebody in their car that needs to get to the hospital. And there's probably not, but at least that'll help you kind of get through that, that moment without, uh, you know, road rage. Um, are you all following me so far? Are we good? Okay, good. So, so that's what love does. You know, love looks past, it imagines what it's like to be that person. And it looks past the offense into the possible pain in their life that's, that's causing that. All right, so here's the second thing. Here's what we're, we're going to do. Uh, we're not just going to look past the offense, but number two, we're going to pray for them. 
right? We're going to pray for them. And, and some of you are like, hey, look, I pray. Like when somebody cuts me off and speeds past me, I pray there is a police officer waiting up the head and is going to get that guy, right? Look, I pray that all the time and it has yet to happen. So anybody has ever actually happened to somebody? No, see, I don't, just keep praying. One day it'll help them to those guys. But this story, this, this actually reminds me of a story also in, in the Bible, uh, Elisha, if you're familiar with him, there's, there's a point in the Bible where Elisha is, he's getting ready to go up to Mount Carmel. And uh, as he comes down, and he starts his journey. The Bible tells us that, that Elisha was bald. And the, in this particular instance, these kids were making fun of him for being bald. And so he got offended. And it, the Bible says that he cursed them in the name of the Lord. And these two bears came out. And the story, the Bible says that the, it literally they, they, the bears tore up 42 kids. Like, whoa. But where do I get that power? Because, man, I could use that in my life sometimes. But maybe that's extreme, right? So maybe we just stick with, like, hey, stink bugs in your house in the name of Jesus. Like, fill, you know, fill their house. Maybe that's a little bit more acceptable. I don't know. But no, but no, the, listen, praying, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not what that means, right? Praying is an exercise that is not for their benefit. It's for your benefit, right? You'll find that as you start to pray for somebody, that your heart is starting, is beginning to soften towards that person. I mean, look, just read Psalms, right? Some of those start out pretty rough. David's, David quite commonly is starting out saying things like, God, my enemies are everywhere. Do something about them, God, get them, you know? And, and the more he's talking to God and the more he's worshiping God, his heart softens. And so by the end of the verses, you know, he's seeing things like, Lord, you alone know, God, you have your way, you know, and, and what's happening, right? It's the exact miracle of that principle taking place. And Jesus said it this way in, in Matthew 5, he said, you have heard it that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, right? We know that in, in, in the Jewish culture at that time, uh, it was eye for eye and tooth for a tooth, right? Somebody did something to you, and you had absolutely every right to do that exact same thing back to them to get them back. And then on top of that, uh, Roman, and the, the Romans that were occupying the area at the time, uh, they, they, if you're familiar with Roman mythology, right, they had gods and goddesses, and there was an actual goddess of revenge. They called her Nemesis, right? She was the god of retribution and revenge. So that entire mindset was just laid on top of that entire area. And so Jesus says, look, I know that's how you think you should live. But he goes on to say, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, right? What is he teaching us here? It's the miracle that as you lift somebody up in prayer to the Lord, you start to change your mind. And look, you don't have to believe me. You don't have to believe the, the scripture. He just wants you to try it, right? Faith, just do it. And, and you pray for them, right? Just think of somebody, some group of people. Think about that one person that's in your life that comes around that you, God, you just wish that they weren't in your life as much as they were. Pray for that person, you know? Say, Lord, touch them. I don't know what's going on in their life. You know what's going on in their lives, Lord. Just, just move, move in their life. And you'll see that you will feel about them very quickly, right? And here's what you'll find out, right? Prayer, and write this down, prayer may not change them, but it always changes you. And that's the point. That's the point of it every time, right? And, and I'm telling you, this is something that we really have to practice because it's not, it's not something that's, that's going to come naturally. So here's number three. We're going to overlook their offense. We're going to pray for them. And then number three, we're going to forgive them. And now look, I know this isn't rocket science. This is Christianity 101. But I want to make something abundantly clear about forgiving somebody, right? Forgiveness is not always about recon reconciliation, right? Forgiveness is not saying what happened didn't happen. What's, what, what forgiveness is, is not saying is that it's not, it's not minimizing what you had went through. So then what is forgiveness? 
Forgiveness is basically stepping back and saying, I'm not going to be the one that holds on to this. I'm giving this to you, God. You take care of this. I'm just not going to be the one that handles this. And why would, why, would he talk, why would Jesus say this? Why would he be so intent on us forgiving people? Because what you're probably thinking and what I've thought is it's just not, it's not fair, right? It's, it's not fair to let them off the hook that easy. I'm not just going to let them off the hook that easy. They deserve to be punished. They hurt me. They deserve to be punished, right? And, and Jesus is saying this, though. He's saying, I'm not asking you to forgive them because they deserve it. I'm asking you to forgive them because you deserve it, Right? And watch this, he modeled this for us very clearly in his most painful moment in, in, our, in our account of Jesus, when he was hanging on the cross. He says that he makes seven statements while he's on the cross, and the very first one found in Luke 23, he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. He's saying, Father, forgive these people who just nailed my hands and feet to this cross. Father, forgive these people who are hurling insults at me. Father, forgive these people who are spitting on me, who are walking by and punching me in my face as I hang here. And, and side note, you know, I always thought, and maybe you think, I always thought that the crosses were like, like feet, like 10 feet up in the air, right? And, and, and I found that, that they could be like inches off the ground. So people could just walk by and be face to face and do the, and spit in people's faces and, and yell in their faces and facilitate the agony that they're already going through. It's, it's a terrible thing. And while they're doing all of this to Jesus, He's forgiving them. He's for, he's, he forgave them, right? And all throughout scripture, we see things like this. Like, look at, let's look at Colossians. It says, you must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. And right there, you're saying, that is way too much for me to handle, Bible. Like, nope, done, you lost me. But then he goes on and says this. He says, remember, you needed it, right? Remember, the Lord forgave you. And so you must forgive others now. And that's a, that's a powerful thing. Like, you genuinely will never need to forgive somebody any more than what you have already received from God, personally, right? You never have to forgive anybody any more than what you've already been cleared for. Think about that. It really puts it in perspective. And I never initially feel like forgiving people. Um, you know, I, I, half of my family was super dramatic and, and a lot of toxic things happen. You know, just, just a toxic environment to be in. And, and it kind of ruined me. Like, I got hurt, and I just immediately wanted to write people out of my life and be like, nope, done, way easier than just, I'm not talking to you. You know, you, you, you did it. But, but after walking, you know, after, after I, I went into relationship with Jesus and I started my walk with him, I realized something super important that I can't ever, I can't afford to let the flow of my own forgiveness stop because I refuse to give that forgiveness out to people this way, right? If I, if I stop forgiving I'm going to be, I'm going to, my forgiveness is going to stop as well, right? And that's, that's not where we want to be. Look, I, I don't really ever feel like people deserve to be forgiven. I'm more of like a justice guy, right? Like, let's, let's hash it out. Let's, let, let me prove to you why you're wrong. And then I'm going to just rub it in your face. Like, that's just, that's what happens, right? Let's be real. But does that ever help my heart? No, it, it absolutely doesn't. And God says, if you will do this, if you will execute on this principle, you're going to set a prisoner free, and then you're going to find out very quickly that you are, in fact, that prisoner the whole time because your own unforgiveness has kept you in bondage for so long, right? And, and look, there's a lot of different analogies and illustrations as to what unforgiveness is. And one that I heard a while ago and that's always stuck with me is unforgiveness is like setting yourself on fire in hopes that the other person dies of smoke inhalation, right? Like it, they're not even doing a good job of hurting them. They're just laughing at you. And that's, that's what it really looks like. 
Look, I believe this with all my heart, and this is, this is like a super real moment here, and I really believe that somebody needs to hear this, but forgiving someone won't change your past, but it will change your future, right? It's not gonna change what happened to you, as painful as it may have been, but it absolutely 100% will change your future. As a matter of fact, let's go a little deeper because as long as you're willing to blame somebody for the condition that you're in now, you're giving power back to that person for your life to ever change, right? And, and we can't let other people be in control of our lives because it, they don't have our best interests in mind. It's only when you stop blaming that person that you truly are set free, right? And, and you're saying, Adam, I, I know what you're saying. I hear what you're saying, but you have no idea what I've been through. And they hurt me. And it was, I don't know if I can do that, right? Well, let me show you somebody else that's been hurt. Um, up in Michigan, a couple years ago, three years ago, there was a story. Um, there was a, a, a young man who was into some bad things in his life. And he had an encounter with another young man uh, who also was in a bad state of his life. And so the, the first boy, his name was Charles. Um, he did something to this other guy. This other guy's name was Jalen. They, they, they had an encounter, didn't go super well. So this Jalen guy is now really angry. So he decides to set this guy up. So he calls this guy, Charlie, Charles, and he says, hey man, I got some new drugs, I got some new product, why don't you come over and, and check it out? So he does, and when he gets there, this Jalen guy kills, the, kills him, just in cold blood, just murders him, just like that, right? So fast forward, trials and things of that nature, this guy, Jalen, is now like life sentenced, uh, no parole, no chance of parole, and during the trials, the, the boy, the, the young man who's, who, who was murdered, his father wants to speak in, in court. So let's have a look and let's listen to what the father has to say here. Yeah, I just want to let everybody know that um, I miss my uh, son every day. <clears throat> I understand um, how something small can get out of hand. It's one, one decision after another can turn into something that you never wanted it to be. Um, <clears throat> I can't help but uh, forgive Jalen from the deepest parts of my heart. And I, too, understand that um, I was um, on parole and a week before my First parole day, that I committed a crime that brought me back to prison, in which at that time I surrendered my life over to Jesus Christ. And I want Jalen to know that my prayers are with him, and that heart is a precious thing, and that uh, it's a city within a city, and
Did you catch what the judge just said? He said, it's always striking to me that people like you can come up here and forgive. Isn't that the power of what Jesus can do in our lives? I mean, look, if this man can forgive somebody for murdering his son, surely we can forgive that lady for stealing our spot at the grocery store. It kind of puts things in perspective a little bit, right? This man has every right uh, to be bitter about things. And, and I'm sure that, that his future is now completely different because he let go of that. He could have just held on to that pain his entire life and blamed this kid for, for murdering his son, but he forgave him. He released it and gave it back to God and said, God, you need to take care of this because I can't. And I guarantee you that he's all the better for it, right? And so here's the principle, though. The principle is, is you're not going to feel like doing it. You just have to do it, okay? It's another faith-based thing. You just have to do it. So how do we deal with difficult people so far? We overlook their offenses. We pray for them. Uh, we forgive them. And now we're on to number four. Number four is we bless them, right? And to bless somebody, it means to speak well of them. That is the Greek definition of it. We speak well of them. So now we're going to watch our language around other people, towards other people. And that's a big one, right? Because when you deal with difficult people, how fun is it to gossip about, gossip about those people? Right? Like how fun is it to get on Facebook and post some super passive aggressive thing about a particular person that all your friends know about and they get all riled up and start liking and commenting and going on crazy with you, right? Like that's fun to do um, because we want people to know that they're not a good person, right? But, but let me go on a, a quick tangent real quick about that because... I feel like this is the toxic culture that social media has maybe created for us. And I work, like that is one of my fields that I work in on a daily basis. And I see some of the most outrageous things that these people who get behind a keyboard, they get real brave that they're not going to say these things to your face, but they're going to start pounding away on Yelp and start destroying a business um, because, you know, they didn't have cookies waiting for them when they got there or whatever the case is. Um, and here's the problem. If you really want to see like the decline of society, I'm going to challenge you to do this today. Go find some public official's page or somebody in authority's page and read the comments that people post when these people post things. It's like Lord of the Flies in there, man. Like it just, it's crazy some of the things that these people say. And look, that might be the world that we live in now. But I'm calling everybody in this church right now to not take any part of that, right? Let's Let's, let's go to a place where um, we don't take part of that, where we, we, we speak well of people instead of cutting these people down. Why? Because Jesus says here in Luke 6, but I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. Like, let's just speak well of people, right? Like, let's just speak life into people, no negativity to these city officials that we disagree with, no negativity to other churches, no negativity to each other or that family member, right? Let's bless them, let's speak life into them, and let's love our enemies, love our coworkers, and just love everybody, right? Is that, does that sound good? Like, that's something that I think we can do, right? And, and here's what First Peter says. It says, uh, do, do not do wrong to repay a wrong, and do not insult to repay an insult, but repay with a blessing, now, now watch this, because I know you're still thinking in your minds, but, but they don't deserve that, right? But, but you do, right? You deserve it, right? Because when you bless other people, God flips it right back onto you, right? And that's what, that's what, we, that's what we're working towards. And parents, parents of young ones, and I'm learning this, it starts with us. It starts with us because they're listening to everything that we say. They're listening to everything that we say. We are, in my household, we are well, well past the stage where me and Brittany can just spell things out to each other even. Like, it, 
it's, they, they just know. Um, and so use your words wisely in front of them. Don't let them hear you talking bad about somebody on TV that you disagree with. Don't let them hear you talk bad about that person at work because you had a disagreement. No, there is power of life and death in the tongue. We know that, right? Some of you may be familiar with the, the, the recording artist, Toby Mac. He has a song, Speak Life, right? And if you, maybe that's not your music style, fine, but I, I want you to go listen to that. Look it up today. Even just read the lyrics because it's an, it's an amazing, it's talking just, it's talking about this. It's amazing. And I watched an interview with him and they were asking him, hey man, what was your inspiration? Like, why did you write this song? And he said something so striking. He said, because in every encounter that you have with somebody, you're either speaking life into them or you're sucking life right out of them. There are no neutral interactions, right? So there's, a, there's never a net zero of that interaction. You, you, you walk by somebody, you make eye contact with them, you smile at them, you don't smile at them, you frown at them, you make a look, you know, you, you have that faith. You are, no matter what it is, you're either depositing life into these people or you're taking life out of them. So what are you doing? Which one of those are you doing? So think about that the next time you come through somebody. Why can't we, though, in that regard, why can't we be more intentional about speaking life into people, even people that we don't agree with, right? And look, watch this. We have a God who is a speaking God. But the amazing thing about him is he doesn't speak about things as they are. He speaks about things how they can be. And, and it's all the way back in Genesis, right? There was nothing. There was a void. And, and God said, let there be light. And with his words, he created his world. We have that same power. With our words, we can create our world. There is, there is can you imagine... God can make nothing, uh, something out of nothing, but imagine what we can speak into people because maybe their flame went out. We can speak that flame back into them. We have that exact same power. So with our words, we can create our world as well. Uh, Jim Carrey, an actor, you guys are all probably familiar with him. So he, another interview that I watched, I like to watch documentaries and interviews. Um, he was talking about his early, you know, before he became famous. And he's, he kept referring to this thing that he did. He, was, he kept calling it visualization. I would visualize myself. And so he would basically, when he was a broke up-and-coming actor, he would drive into nice areas of L.A., Mulholland Drive, Rodeo Drive, and he would say, one day, that's going to be my house. One day, I'm going to shop there. One day, I'm going to drive those nice cars, right? And as a matter of fact, he was so bold that he wrote himself a check for $10 million, and he post-dated it for three years. He gave himself three years to do it. Fast forward... Just before uh, Thanksgiving 1994, so just before that three-year mark, he landed the deal with Dumb and Dumber, and he was actually paid $10 million to do the movie, and he was actually able to cash that check. Like, it's just, a, it's an amazing story. So if you get anything from my message today, go home and write yourselves a check for $10 million and see what happens, you know? Tell me about it. Um, and look, and, and just even in a small, you know, in a small fashion off of that, like, I try to always be positive around people. Even when I'm not having a good day, I try to just be upbeat and say things to people. And, and sometimes you just have to fake it, right? Fake it till you make it. You talk, you say, you know, you say you're having a great day long enough, you're going to end up having a great day, but you don't know what you're doing to influence somebody else's day. And that's an important thing to think about. So remember, there is power of life and death in the tongue. Um, so here's the last one. Uh, we're going to hit number five. And um, worship team, if you guys want to come up, you can. Uh, so we're not just going to overlook we're not going to just overlook their offense. We're not just going to pray for them. We're not going to just forgive them. We're certainly not just going to bless them, but we're going to take it up another level. Okay, number five is, is we're going to do good to them. Okay? Um, 
Find something you can do to serve some, that person, right? Give them something, bless them with something. And I'm going to kind of come back full circle here on what we had, that, 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 that line that we talked about earlier. Let's look at Romans 12 again. We said, don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be, care, be careful what you do is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, live at peace with everybody, right? And there it is again, if possible. And you may say, Adam, it's not up to me, right? They're the ones that are acting out. Okay, but then you can choose, you can choose not to take revenge um, at that point, right? Leave room for God's judgment. Doesn't he say he's going to take care of our enemies for us? Let God do that because he will. And then, so on the contrary, and so the verse continues, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, you feed him. If he is thirsty, you give him drink. Um, so my translation of that in 2020 is if somebody cusses you out, then just go buy them a mocha frappuccino from Starbucks and give it to them. That's all you have to, that's all you got to remember. And the verse continues and says, in doing this, you will heap burning coals on their head. And I'm not talking about like now you're like excited. You're like, yeah, we get to burn them down. Like that's what we're going to do. That's not what we're going to do. Back in the day, obviously they didn't have matches. They didn't have gas. They didn't have electricity. So they relied on coals and wood to give them heat, right? To produce, to, so they can cook, so they can wash their clothes, so they can stay warm. And what they would try to do through the night is keep, you know, preserve that as much as they could. So when they woke up in the morning, they already had sort of a fire going. They just needed to add more to it and it would, it would go on. But what you would find and what they would find was that th those coals would go out in the middle of the night. And so when they would wake up, they wouldn't really have anything. They wouldn't have a way to wash up. They wouldn't have any way to start cooking. And so at the time, coals were like the greatest commodity that you could give somebody because that's what they relied on. And so what, that's what they're saying is heap coals on them, give them an abundance of the commodity that they want the most. And it goes on, the verse goes on to say this beautiful phrase. It says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good, right? And, and look, I'm up here and I'm looking at your faces and you're saying, man, Adam, that's an intense list of things for us to do. I don't know if we can do that. And I would agree with you. It is an intense list. And I would have to say that it's almost, it, it is impossible. It's, everything that I just said is impossible unless... And before I tell you what that is, I'm going to ask everybody to stand up, please. Everything that we just talked about is impossible unless you have been on the receiving end of those things, right? And I'm telling you right now that God has overlooked your offense. That big mistake that you made this morning, maybe, yesterday, last week, last month, last year, Jesus was standing at the right hand of the Father and he said, hey dad, let's keep forgiving him. Let's keep forgiving her, right? He was praying for you. He always speaks well of you and we know that he never stops forgiving us. And I can tell you 100% that I am on the receiving end of that. I, God has given me more than I deserve, right? And, and I think maybe we can all say that. I have done really dumb things. I have treated people in a way that I've been embarrassed about, right? And, and I don't deserve what he's, what he's given me, but yet he keeps heaping coals on my head. And, and uh, even on days that I, that I don't deserve it. And I can say fullheartedly that because I've been on the receiving end of those things, that now I have the capacity to give those things back, right? And it's just like Jesus says here, uh, in this scripture, it says, freely you have received, now freely give, 
right? You can't give until you've experienced the receiving part. And then once, you re- you know, once you've experienced the receiving, giving is a lot easier at that point. And, and the thing is, is that with the theme of everything that I've talked about, church, you just have to experience it. You can't think about it. You can't rationalize it. You can't plan it out. You just have to have that encounter with God to where he just radically changes you and you just take action, right? And look, it can all be summed up by this very simple little phrase, the forgiven forgive, right? The forgiven forgive. We have all in this room been forgiven and now it's time for us to forgive, amen? All right, I'm gonna ask everybody to bow their heads here as we pray. Father, thank you.